Defense Matters, a podcast about defense, technology, and the power of that movement. An Israel Defense production in association with IAI. Hello and welcome to Defense Matters, a podcast about all matters of defense and why they matter. I'm your host, Aaron Heller, and I hope you're enjoying our journey as we delve into all these various elements of technology, defense, military and strategic affairs, and so much more. We're a new podcast, so please follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts and click that subscribe button. As you know, every episode we delve into a different element uh, that's relevant with a featured guest. And today we're happy to talk about a big one, Turkey. Is it a friend? Is it a foe? We're going to discuss all these elements. Um, dating back to the days of the Ottoman Empire, there have been all these ebbs and flows in the relationship between Turkey and uh, the, the Jewish state. Um, obviously, the high point was in the 1990s. Then the low point was after the Marmara with that whole uh, naval uh, flotilla, which was intercepted. And this, of course, has gone even more extreme during the period of Erdogan in power. And so there's been these up, there's been these downs. He's called Israel the worst things imaginable, but now... There's a bit of a detente. So is it a friend? Is it a foe? To discuss this and a lot more, I'm glad to be joined by uh, Dr. Galia Lindenstrauss, uh, expert on Turkey and a senior research fellow at the Institute of National Security Studies at Tel Aviv University. Thanks Hello. for joining us. Really happy to be here. Great. Thanks. So I guess let's just pick up where the general overview. There's so much to cover. There have been so many ups and downs. Where do we stand now? What's the picture right now? Yeah, so if you talk with Israelis of a certain age, they basically remember Turkey-Israeli relations in the 1990s. They probably vacationed during these years in, in Turkey because a lot of Israelis went to Turkey that years. And these were the honeymoon years in Turkish-Israeli relations. Really, we cooperated in everything. But if you look at the historical trend, uh, the 1990s were actually the exception. Uh, the good relations in the 1990s are not something we saw before, not something we saw after. Uh, during the Cold War, yes, Israel and Turkey had a lot of shared interests. Yes, they cooperated, but it, it was all behind closed doors. It was basically the mistress syndrome. Israel was not out of the, in the open uh, with Turkey. In the 1990s, things changed because we still had the shared interests, uh, but we also had the Oslo years. Uh, this was basically the height of Israeli-Palestinian peace process. And we know uh, that the Palestinian issue is very important to the Turkish public. Uh, so this was a comfortable period uh, for Israel and Turkey to cooperate. Uh, Erdogan and his party rise to power in 2002, and so we've, we're basically talking of, of more than two decades of Erdogan in power. Uh, in the beginning, he doesn't mess with Turkish-Israeli relations. He even continues the cooperation. Uh, it even reaches a high uh, in which uh, Erdogan uh, basically mediates between Israel and Syria on peace talks. That's quite amazing if we think about it in retrospect. Uh, but then we have the Mavi Marmar, and basically in the past decade, uh, we've, had, we've seen a deterioration of relations and, and many periods of crisis between the two countries. So basically, there's a lot of, you, know, you covered a lot of ground there. There are a lot of issues. So let's try to break them down, what the main issues are right now. I've jotted down, there's the gas exploration, there's Greece and Cyprus, how they fit in. There's Iran, of course. Uh, Turkey wants to replace Jordan as the guardian of the holy sites. Um, these are just some of them. What do you think is the biggest driver now, the biggest interest that Turkey has? Okay, so the, the side that is pushing the rapprochement at the moment is Ankara. Ankara is the one that is interested in it. Ankara is the one who um, basically sends all these positive vibes uh, towards Jerusalem. And, um, and Israel responds hesitantly, but has responded positively. We saw the very historical visit of the, um, the president of Israel 
of Isaac Herzog in, in Ankara in March, and we just saw in May, we saw the visit of the Turkish foreign uh, minister in Israel. So that was uh, Israel basically cooperating with this Turkish wish to repair relations. Uh, if I have to analyze why Erdogan has uh, this, done this U-turn in his policy towards Israel, I would say three things. First, the domestic situation. The domestic situation in Turkey, because of the deteriorating economic uh, uh, crisis in Turkey, uh, we see um, basically the, the Turkish lira um, basically losing all its most of its value. Uh, we, saw, we see very high inflation in Turkey. Um, official data is about 70% annual inflation, but unofficial data, we're talking about hyperinflation, much higher rates of inflation. All this means that um, Erdogan, when he is now approaching the 2023 elections in Turkey, he and he looks at the polls, he's not going to be elected, according to the recent polls. And if he doesn't do something soon, either to improve the economic situation or something dramatic in the foreign uh, arena, things are not looking good for him in the sense of domestically. Another, and is improving ties with Israel a popular thing? Is that a good thing to know? Um, basically showing that moderation in the international uh, realm um, does attract foreign investment. That's the, that's the logic behind it. He's not playing it completely according to this logic, but um, definitely this rapprochement towards Israel, uh, which is also part of a, a more regional rapprochement, also with the UAE, uh, with Saudi Arabia. And here there's a lot of potential foreign direct investment. Um, definitely this, uh, in his view, may translate into a better economic situation. Yeah, it's yes. funny when you look at it back, like historically, the, the the alliance between Israel and Turkey was sort of one sort of like to counter the Arab thing, because they're not the non-Arab countries in the region. And now it's actually up to because Israel's getting close to the Arabs, it's a way for Turkey to get also close to the UAE. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's very true that if you look historically about Turkish-Israeli relations, it's part of the periphery doctrine that uh, our, uh, that uh, Ben Gurion basically initiated. The idea was, yes, that we are isolated by the Arab state, so we should go further to the non-Arab state. So we had good relations with Iran, and we had good relations with Turkey, and with Ethiopia, and with the Kurds, and with the Maronites. Um, and now things yeah, flipped around. Now we have basically with the Arab states, with most of them, we've pretty much got into a normalization trend, and we have much bigger problems with the non-Arab states, yeah. especially, of course, Iran, but also with Turkey. You're correct. So Turkey, like we said in the last two decades, is Erdogan, essentially. I mean, he, he runs it with an iron fist, and you've researched this a lot. It seems like with him it's gotten personal at some point. The way he spoke once about Shimon Peres when he was president, calling Israelis Nazis and war criminals, leading the charge even, not just being somebody there. What's your analysis of him personally? I mean, is it really just the Islamic thing that's driving him, or does he have personal animosity towards Israel? What exactly is going on there? Um, basically, when we talk about Turkey since 2002, definitely Erdogan uh, is the, the dominant figure there. Uh, with regard to Israel, yes, it's all, all of the above, what you mentioned, uh, basically from an Islamic point of view, from his attempt to increase the Turkey's regional power. Um, it basically uh, feeds each other, and this is and it's very useful to be the champion of the Palestinian cause if you want to uh, gain popularity among uh, Muslim pu public opinion. So it's very useful for him. Uh, with regard to his style, um, some say it's controlled outbursts. So definitely, we we see this outburst, but we know that uh, such a leader can be two decades in power if he's not also pragmatic. 
So now we see the, this pragmatic U-turn. And yes, in recent months, uh, Erdogan has also moderated his uh, criticism towards Israel. I'm not saying, of course, that Turkey is not critical of Israel's policy towards the Palestinians, but we don't we don't hear these very uh, vocal uh, critic from Erdogan like we did before. We, we might return to it, but we see that he wants this rapprochement in Israel, so that also translates into him being more quiet on this issue. So. That's the Turkey perspective. What about Israel? Israel, we know, loves Turkey. The people love traveling to Marmara and to all the beaches over there in Antalya. Uh, but obviously, you know, because of the dynamics in the last little while, there's been a change in, in approach. But do you feel like, I mean, what's, I guess the bottom line is Israel is sort of going back to this hesitantly, like you said. Um, what's in it for Israel to restore these relations? Yeah, uh, Israel is a bit very cautious. And uh, we see that uh, the ambassadors, for example, are not back yet to Ankara in Tel Aviv. They haven't been in, in place since 2018 when we had the U.S. move of embassy to Jerusalem and Turkey responded in basically expelling the Israeli ambassador from Ankara. Um, for Israel, I think uh, we know where our main threats are, and they are not Turkey. Our main, main problem is with Iran. Uh, we have a problem with Hezbollah. We have a problem with Hamas. Um, most of this issue are not directly related uh, to, to Turkey, except, of course, Hamas. Hamas's presence in, in, in Turkey and the fact that it uses its presence uh, to conduct logistical activity that it later translates into terror activities in the West Bank and in Israel. Uh, this is somewhere that Israel is definitely uh, trying to gain from this current rapprochement with Turkey. It is pressuring Turkey uh, to stop this Hamas activity on its territory, and I think this is this is very important for Israel. That uh, an important gain, of course, it's not Israel is accustomed to criticism. Uh, it gets criticism from many actors in the international system, but of course, it's not comfortable for Israel to have this such a high, such a problematic discourse coming out of Ankara. Um, so that's another, I think, element, and. Um, Basically, Israel is not the first to normalize relations with uh, Turkey. I think it would be, have been very difficult for Israel to be the, the, the first actor to do so. Uh, Israel basically follows the UAE. Uh, it follows uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, then Israel comes, and also we see a certain rapprochement between Turkey and Egypt. So it's all a part of a regional trend, which I think is more comfortable to Israel uh, to operate in. And I think the hope is that somehow, uh, while Turkey was very critical of the Abraham Accords and even told the UAE, I will pull out my ambassador from the UAE because you signed this agreements with Israel, currently you see basically Turkey somehow joining this Abraham Accord axis in an informal manner. I think this is a very good place uh, for Israel to be. You mentioned uh, Syria before, too, and both countries border Syria. Um, Obviously, a big Russian involvement there throughout the years has been an issue of you know Turkey and, and Russia and Israel and Russia with all the airplanes and all the aircrafts over there. Um, and now, of course, we've got the war in Ukraine, um, and that's changed a lot of the dynamics. We know for Israel, its role trying to mediate and trying to not sort of get in Putin's bad side. Is Turkey in a similar situation as well, or what's their, how has the war in Ukraine affected their rationale about Israel? Yeah, no, definitely Turkey is one of the countries that wants to see an end, a quick end to the war in Ukraine. It puts it in a very uncomfortable uh, situation. It's dependent on Russia because of gas. It's dependent on Russia because Russia is building Turkey's first nuclear power plant. Um, it's dependent on Russia because of the issue of Syria. 
uh, Turkey wants to do another operation in Syria and basically needs the Russians to agree to it. On the other hand, Ukraine has been a very good ally to Turkey, both in the Black Sea. If you don't have uh, Ukraine as an ally and the Russian, Russians dominate the Black Sea, that's a very not uncomfortable situation for uh, Turkey. And Turkey and Ukraine also cooperate in the defense realm. You know that today Turkey is a big exporter of UAVs. That's something very important for it. And um, basically, the, the Ukrainians are, are participating in producing the engines for the UAVs, for example. And there was a plans to extend this uh, cooperation. We'll see how Ukraine gets out of this war. But basically, uh, it's very important to Turkey to have Ukraine to balance Russia in the Black Sea. I think I want to just double back a little bit to what you said before about uh, the relations between the countries that Israel has problems with. We know about Hamas, and that's sort of like a sore spot because of, you know, back to the Mavi Marmara and all the going to Gaza for relief. But the other two elements you mentioned are Hezbollah and Iran. And those are the two biggest threats, I guess, for Israel. Turkey, they've got interesting dynamic with both of those, no? I mean, what's what's their impact on that in any way? Do they have a does Israel hope they can have a positive impact there or do they just want them to stay out of the way or what exactly is the rationale? Israel always hopes that Turkey would understand that Iran is a big problem in the region and that uh, Iran should never have nuclear weapons because it's a threat to all the regional states and you don't want to get to this situation. So there's always been this hope that Israel and Turkey can cooperate on Iran and this will bring the rapprochement to be stronger because there would be a shared interest. But if you break it down, you see that uh, Turkey and Israel have a very different approach to uh, Iran. For Israel, it's an existential threat. For Turkey, it's a neighbor with which it had has more than 400 years of peaceful border. Yes, they're not happy with each other many times, for example, about the situation in uh, in uh, between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Uh, they're not happy about, uh, Turkey's not happy about Iranian involvement in Syria. And, and they have uh, confrontations on Iraq, very strong confrontations. In Kurds, they've all got yeah, in northern Iraq. And you see now really heated tension between uh, Turkey and Iran. But at the end of the day, these countries know how to manage their relations. They don't get into severe crisis between them. And hence, I don't, I mean, building Israeli Turkish rapprochement only on this hope that they can cooperate against Iran, I think this is wishful thinking. It will not happen. So you mentioned that the 1990s was sort of like the unusual element of these relations. Is there any way to get back there, or is that, a, is that a, just an illusion that was just a random blip in history? Yeah, I, um, I don't think we're going to go back there. Uh, it's very important to understand that even if Erdogan uh, loses elections and he's, he and we see his downfall, the rest of the Turkish public is also very anti-Israeli. Uh, we see that the, in polls, Israel basically is perceived as an enemy of Turkey. And this is, again, shared not only by Erdogan supporters, but by much broader parts of the Turkish society. So sh we shouldn't be so too hopeful in that aspect. And I think nobody is thinking that we're going to go back to the 1990s. Turkey is also in a different situation. Once it needed to import uh, def its defense needs from Israel, and now it, it, it manufactures by itself. It's advancing. It doesn't need, it's basically going to self-procurement. It doesn't need uh, Israel in the way it is. And actually, for example, in the area of the UAV, we are now competitors. Um, but I think we should strive to go back to actually the first decade of Erdogan in power, in which, has, as I mentioned, Erdogan even mediated between uh, Israel and Syria. I think uh, if we can see that Israel and Turkey both understand that um, it's vital that they cooperate, that there are issues in which they can at least um, have information transfer or, or debate uh, with each other these issues, understand that they are not the main threats of each other. Uh, each country has bigger issues uh, to deal with. For example, for Turkey, it's the issue of the Kurds. Uh, 
um, the issue of uh, the Eastern Mediterranean. Here we do have some problems because we have now built a big alliance with uh, Cyprus and Greece. Um, but for Israel, really, as I mentioned, the big big threat is Iran and, um, and Hezbollah and Hamas. And we don't need uh, also the Turkish uh, to build Turkish ten tensions with Turkey. Great. So I guess to summarize, if we can, this conversation, fascinating stuff, is I guess the best Israel can hope for really is what it is now, just sort of like quiet, sort of, you know, not hostile, not tensions, low-level cooperation. I mean, do you feel that that's sustainable or is this just a brief lull until things rage again? And, and if so, what kind of things do you see on the horizon that could be? Is it like Temple Mount or something? What, what kind of roadblocks are there in the future? So luckily we did pass Ramadan and we did pass these tensions in Jerusalem and the, the rapprochement is still intact. I think, however, uh, while discussing this charm offensive Turkey is now doing to, towards the Middle East, this is still going on okay, but if we see its objection for Sweden and Finland getting into NATO and we see the tensions with Greece and we see another operation in Syria, we see that Turkey is still um, not a satisfied uh, power. Basically, we see a revisionist power. And so this revisionism probably will clash at some point uh, with Israel. Uh, but we have to say there is also a strong civilian basis to Turkish-Israeli relations. We have excellent trade relations. We have we had $7 billion mutual trade in 2020, um, which means Turkey is one of the more uh, bigger trade partners of Israel. We see the importance of having uh, trade partners close by. Uh, we see all these problems of importing from China, uh, having somebody uh, that you can import and that is so near to you is very important in these very turbulent times we live in. And I think this is, uh, Turkey needs this for its economy. It cannot, uh, it needs every customer it, it can have it nowadays. And for Israel, this is also very important. Excellent. Thank you very much. Very enlightening. And thanks for joining us on Defense Matters. That does it for this section. We'll be right back with Game Changer. Break, break. Welcome back. It's time for Game Changer, our corner where we discuss the technology of tomorrow and how it affects the future battlefield. And today we're going to talk about anti-drone technology. We all know about drones. What's anti-drones? For that, we're going to try to get an answer from Elon Bublil, a business development and marketing director at IA's Elta Systems. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for bringing me here. Anti-drone is a system that actually has to mitigate drones. Drones in the recent years become a major threat. You know, they are very available, they are easy to purchase, and in the recent years, the recent conflicts, like in example Afghanistan, you can see how drones become a weapons when someone come and install explosive devices. So anti-drones, the main uh, purpose of anti-drone system, a good system, is to detect those drones and mitigate them so they will not be able to complete their lethal weapons mission. Great. Now, with you guys, I mean, there have been huge advantages in drone technology. What kind of things have you had to do to keep up with this? Yes, this is actually a day-by-day -day, uh, war, I would say, if I say. Um, we use a special uh, solution, which is a multi-layer, multi-sensor, and we always, always look in what are the newest threats out there so we can come up with the new technology and update our sensors and systems and solution in general so we can cope cope with those coming threats, such as, for example, uh, may, may be a swarm of drones in the future. Now, we've all heard about Iron Dome, famous Israeli technology. Um, well, you guys have something sort of like Iron Dome for drones, isn't it? What is that exactly? You may say so. Uh, Elta is considered one of the four world leaders as manufacturer of the radar sensor. Uh, and radar is the main sensor of uh, the Iron Dome, is made by also by us. 
and as such our solution is what we call the drone guard mm -hmm. it's like a dome and the drone guard is built from several layers and several sensors each one has a different technique and a different approach how to mitigate the drone together they bring in an holistic approach this system is very unique it can be uh, on a vehicle on the move it can be on a tripod for uh, special forces and, and protect uh, bases and also civilians. Now we invest a lot of R&D in, in development of, of those systems so they can be ready for today and for the future and actually we saw a few hundred systems to date will show, which shows our strength in the market and our knowledge of uh, making those systems uh, the best we can have. Excellent. Great. No need to drone on more than that. So thank yes. you very much for, for joining us. And that does it for this episode of, uh, of Defense Matters. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron Heller. I hope you're enjoying it, reminding you uh, to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts. So wherever you can, please like and subscribe. Until next time, I'll see you again on Defense Matters.